All righty. Well, good morning. My name is Dusty Davis, and I am the campus pastor here at Grace Bible Church Creekside Campus. And this is a little bit of a unique experience for me. Uh, typically, I'm out there with you guys running around helping make sure everything's running smoothly and people are taken care of. Um, but today, to get to stand up here and open the Word and study together, uh, it's just a fun Experience for me that I'm looking forward to. Uh, as Kenny mentioned, today we are going to have a little bit of a marriage emphasis. Uh, but as I prayed and as I just thought about, man, what would I want to share? What, what is just a heartbeat about marriage that, that, that I really am feeling passionate about? Honestly, it just kept coming back to God and who God is. And how he's a faithful God, he's a loving God, he's a, he's a relational God. And so I want to spend a lot of time today just really looking at who God reveals himself to be and how that specific part of his character plays out in some key prominent people's lives in Scripture and then how that impacts and applies to how we live even today. And then at the end, um, Brad Evans will come up and he'll share some next step opportunities uh, for our marriages and how we grow in faithfulness and in love. And so uh, we will begin in Exodus today in chapter 34, verses 5 through 7. This passage is a really unique and cool moment in Scripture. When we studied it in seminary, it really jumped out at me as a cool moment in time, the way that it happened. But then it's also something that gets recalled and pointed back to again and again throughout the Old Testament. Uh, in the Psalms, the prophets, they just reference back to this moment in time often. And it's, it's even seen as somewhat of just a summary of the covenant relationship that we share with God. And so what's happening here, it's just after the golden calf incident uh, where God has laid out the Ten Commandments and Israel says, hey, we're all in. And then practically immediately, uh, they're putting other gods before him and making idols, which are like number one and number two. Uh, and it's kind of nuts because his presence is literally at the top of the mountain. And it's described as fire by night and a cloud and smoke by day. And there's been earthquake and lightning and thunder. And yet with his presence right there, Israel's going, hey, Aaron, make us a, a golden calf so that we can worship it as the God who brought us out of Egypt. And so Moses is up on the mountain and he's having a moment with God and he calls out to God. and He says, God, show me your glory. And God says, well, I, I can't show you my full glory because if I showed you my face, you would cease to exist because no human can handle that. But there's a spot in the cleft of the rock here. And I'll cover you and I'll pass by and I'll remove my hand and I'll let you see my back. And so that's where we are. That's what's about to take place right here in Exodus 34, starting in verse 5. It says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands and who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin. 
Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting iniquity of fathers on their children and their grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. So this is a moment in time where God audibly speaks for himself. And he, he could have said anything about himself. He could have said, I'm all-powerful, I'm all-knowing, I'm eternal, I'm creator, I'm fully just. And yet at this time, where Israel's down at the bottom of the mountain, being unfaithful, God reveals himself as a loving, compassionate, faithful God. So a couple of these words in particular that I want to look at are loving kindness and truth. And loving kindness here, uh, the word is hesed. I was talking with Buck Anderson this week, preparing for the message. Buck's a Hebrew scholar. Uh, He occasionally does a Hebrew word study as an elective that's phenomenal. And he said, when you teach this, it looks like hesed, but it's really chesed. So that's how you have to teach the people. It's chesed. And when you look at the picture of this, it's it's a loyal love. It's a covenantal love. And so what you see is that the basis for Hesed is that there has to be relationship. Hesed exists because there's some kind of agreement or covenant or relationship between two parties. And it doesn't have to be legal. It doesn't have to be formal. Um, Even like today, like I made an agreement to be here and worship with you and you made an agreement to be here and worship with me. And in that kind of a setting, where God is in relationship with someone, he is loyal and covenantal love. It's a loyalty that's based in him and who he is. Regardless of what comes, regardless of the other party's actions, he is going to be loyal because of the relationship that exists. And then the second word uh, that's truth in many translations is emmet. And emmet has the idea of, of faithfulness. It's it's a, a firmness, a reliability, a security. It's truth that endures over time. And so the uniqueness of this word is that it's something that's stable and will endure. And so the two words there together or even just on their own are pretty powerful in who God is saying he is. And in this instance, the way that they're used is actually a hindedias. And what that is, it's just a fancy word for Two words being put together with the word and in the middle to create a more fuller meaning. And so a good example would be on a, on a cold day, you're sitting on the couch and you get a blanket and someone brings you some coffee or some hot tea and you say, man, this is nice and warm. And you're using those two words, not individually, but you're using them together to paint a picture that of, of, of a a more powerful setting, a more powerful word that nice and warm. You also see it in like uh, rough and tough. If someone would describe that way, the two together give you that, that bigger picture. And so here what you see is a relational, covenantal, loyal love, and then a faithfulness that endures. And they're being brought together in a way that God says, I am faithful over time in my covenant love. So when I'm in relationship with you, I'm not going anywhere. And so when we look at God in that character and the way that he chose to reveal himself, 
you can see it come back in the Psalms. You see it come back in the prophets as they point back to the character of God and his faithfulness and his loving kindness and his compassion for them as the whole reason for being able to trust in what he has said will come and being able to walk forward with him. And as we consider that, I think there's great freedom in the life that we live today when we walk in trusting in God's covenantal love and faithfulness. So the first way I think we see freedom is a freedom from comparing ourselves to others. It's so easy to look around us and see what is being praised in society or what is being criticized in society and decide, well, that's who I'm going to be because I don't want to rock the boat and I just want to be liked. And yet when we press into a relational God who's faithful and loving, it's in who he is and who he has designed us to be that we find freedom to truly live out who we are without fear or worry of having to measure up to what everyone else thinks we should be. So we're going to look in Psalm 139 uh, verses 13 through 16. And this is David reflecting and responding to God. Um, And starting in verse 13, David says, God, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. So God's immense love, God's immense faithfulness was active in our lives before we were even aware of it, in the way that he chose to create us, in the way that he took intentional time to design and weave together exactly who each of us are. And when we press into him and we press into his, his love and the, relation, the covenant relationship that he offers, that's where discovery of who we are is. His word separates bone and marrow. It brings together thoughts and motives. And so as we press into him, we more deeply understand who we are. And as we rest in him and we're confident in his faithfulness to us and his love toward us, there's freedom there to express who we are, to live out who we are. That's an amazing thing that we honestly really need. I mean, you look at the body of Christ and he's given different gifts to different people so that we can as diversity coming together in unity of his spirit be beneficial to one another. And so I just think, man, to be able to be free and know who you are in him and to be able to live that out just provides a blessing and a grace and an opportunity to others in our work relationships, in school, in our families that we don't find when we don't find our identity in that faithful love relationship with him. Uh, Secondly, I think we're freed from false standards of significance. There 
anywhere you look today, you look at Facebook, you look at Pinterest, you look at Twitter, there's all these examples of these amazing things and these cool cakes and these awesome outfits and these amazing levels of job that you have to reach to be significant or to be valuable. And we look and we see everybody's most perfect day and most perfect creation. And we take all these thousands of pictures and then we look at our normal life. And it chips away and it begins to make me ask, do I need that? Am I valuable? Am I significant? If you'll turn with me Philippians 3, we'll hear from Paul. And if anyone lived a significant, crazy, over-the-top life, it was Paul. Um, A significant portion of our New Testament was written by him. The mystery of the church was revealed by him. And yet we'll see in this passage what brought Paul significance and value. He says in Philippians 3, starting in verse 7, But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For I'm su- who have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So here's Paul. He starts this whole thing by saying, man, if anybody could use their accomplishments in life as an awesome resume to point to their significance and value, it's me. I was born to the right family. I was circumcised on the right day. I studied on the right, under the right people. I've held the law to the right standards. And yet all of the things that I could point to for significance and value are rubbish, are dung, are trash compared to the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I think the freedom here is as as we find our value pressing into knowing Christ and making that our greatest aim, we don't look forward in life with this expectation of needing to achieve certain things. And we don't look back in life measuring our significance or our value or our worth to this world or to our life simply by what we've done. But we see the depth of knowing our God. And the fact that God brought us into being, God made us who we are, and God provided Jesus Christ's death on the cross that we might press into him and know him intimately, faithfully, in a covenantal love. And then lastly, I think we're freed from the tyranny of the urgent. Um, I don't know about you, but the older I get and the more things that get added to my plate, 
the more things that are crying for my attention. Um, being a campus pastor here and then being married and my wife is a, a lecturer at the vet school. And so she teaches anatomy and physiology. And then we've got three kiddos, our oldest, Caleb, who turned nine today. And then Mariah, who's six and Judah's who, Judah, who's three. There's just constantly things to do. And it's really easy to let the to-do list of the day dictate the pace that I live and the focus of life. And yet, God says, don't forget about me. Your faithful, covenantal, loving God. And so, in John 15, uh, Jesus himself put out a plea and a call to us uh, to press into his love and his faithfulness as we live life. John 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's this beautiful image of a vine and of branches and these branches bearing these skins on the ends of them. And as the branches stay connected to the vine, it it draws water and it through the branches, a conduit fills those great grape sacks with that water and produces fruit. And yet, if that branch were to separate, that opportunity for water goes away. So I think as we daily press in and we daily abide and we're reminded and we walk in relationship with God, it doesn't change all of the things that we need to get done, but it shapes the way that we go about them. When we walk in relationship, then there's joy and there's life and there's vibrancy. Jesus goes on to say, I say these things that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. And yet as we don't walk with him, that perspective of relationship and joy in life can easily fade away. And life becomes mundane and just burdensome. I've seen this uh, in Amanda, just in waves, high and low, as when, when Caleb was young and he was our only one, he had an apron and he would wear the apron and he would go in the kitchen and he would cook with mom. And it was fun to just see them spend time together. And then he had his own little broom. And so they would go around and they'd, we would all sweep the kitchen or we'd go sweep the entryway or he would join us uh, in, in folding laundry or in drying off the dishes. And it was the things that had to get done in life we did in relationship. And yet as Mariah got added and as Judah got added and as dissertations got added and more job responsibilities got added, it almost became like, hey, please just get out of the way. I've got to get the meal cooked. I've got to get the house clean. I've got, just go do something. And life can run at a hectic 
pace and become stressful and become burdensome. And yet God reminds us and Jesus invites us, don't forget about me. I love you. And because we're in relationship, I'm always here and I'm always faithful. So as we look at these freedoms and the way that they play out in our walk with the Lord, I think they're very applicable, very real in the way that we live out our other relationships at work, at school. But specifically, I want to look at them in regards to marriage. The fact that God provides a secure place where we can discover who we are and express who we are freely is so important and so amazing in marriage. Because if, if our spouse knows that, hey, this is a covenantal love that I have for you because we are in relationship and my faithfulness and my love is not dependent upon you or the circumstances that we're in, I'm here to love and to be faithful. Then it provides a place of security and safety. It provides a place where we can have deep conversations of exploring who we are and trying to be creative without fear of failure and just and judgment. And honestly, it provides amazing opportunities where I get to see Amanda in fresh, deep, unique ways that are special to her. That if we're constantly looking around and trying to imitate or measure up to what we see around us, we completely miss out and we lose that. And then false standards of significance. Man, this one is big because the question is, am I valuable to this relationship? Am I significant to you as my spouse? Are there these things that I need to go and achieve? Are there these things that I need to do on a regular basis or boxes I need to check to be valuable and significant to you? But when we make it our aim to know each other and be known by each other, then just the deepness and the intimacy of who you are and our relationship as one makes you significant and valuable. And in that, there's a, a freedom to not constantly be measuring, but there's a freedom to open up and to love and to know each other deeply and to begin to be vulnerable in ways that you wouldn't if you're nervous about your value and your significance in the relationship. And then lastly in marriage, the tyranny of the urgent. Man, this one really hits home for me because it... It is so easy to go three or four days without being intentional to spend time with my wife. Well, I mean, twice a month we could go three days, four days, and all we've done is talk shop. Who's going to go pick up this kid? Who's going to make sure this homework gets done? Who's going to pay this bill? Who's going to make sure this thing happens? And then we look at each other and it's like, man, we're great teammates, but who are you? I had a friend recently who went through a divorce and it was long and it was drawn out and it was messy. And finally, at the end of it, I was able to pin him down and just say, hey, man, like, what's the deal here? Why did you walk away from this? And he said, honestly, I began to see my kids and my wife as responsibilities 
and they became burdens along with everything else in life and the weight just became too much to bear and I need it out. So his joy in life, the vibrancy that comes from a loving relationship had just grown weaker and weaker until it was snuffed out. And I think we, we have some friends, Matt and Maria Upton, they go to Anderson. Uh, they realized that a lot of this was going on in their lives last year. And so they went to re-engage. And as we walked alongside them and we saw a spark come back, we saw a, a, a new commitment to really pressing into God and, and really owning who they are and really finding value in knowing and being known by each other and really carving out and protecting time for each other, it became really enticing, really appealing to Amanda and I. So we're actually going to do re-engage this semester. Uh, I invite any of you who are married to, man, come alongside us, do re-engage with us. Uh, it, it was fun hearing them over and over talk about how it pressed them into the Lord individually and it pressed them into each other. We're going to hear from them uh, on a video from their experience. But before we do, if, if you think that, man, I, this is great, but I'm just, I'm just too far from the Lord. I've, I've just been not spending time with him for far too long or I'm too wrapped up in realizing I'm not significant because of all the things I'm not achieving or that I'm trapped on a treadmill of just trying to be significant and I don't know who I am, man, take heart. Here's a, pa a passage from Lamentations 2. It's the prophet Jeremiah, and he's sitting looking over the city of Jerusalem. And Babylon has encircled them, encircled them. They've starved them out. They've now sieged the wall. They've destroyed the entire city, set it to fire, destroyed the temple, and everything is just laying in destruction. And Jeremiah says, This I recall to mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. He calls back to who God revealed himself to be on Mount Sinai. And he says, even though everything looks like it's in ruin, God, even though I feel too far from you that this can't be salvaged or my marriage is just so stale and so toxic that there's no way forward, the hope is not in your circumstances. The hope is not in you or your spouse. The hope is in our God and his loving kindness, his covenantal love and his faithfulness that he will, he must be true to because that's who he is. All right, let's hear from Matt and Maria. It was almost as though all of the other crises in our life were the loudest thing we could imagine. And so the thing that was quiet in the background, our marriage, didn't really get a lot of attention. 
So we felt like we had a good marriage, but I think both of us realized that we just hadn't focused on our marriage because it was okay. Reengage was that breath of fresh air. We um, did not stop experiencing crisis. Caring for an aging parent um, is always difficult. There were issues that came up that we just hadn't prepared ourselves to have to deal with, nor do I know that you can prepare yourself for that. Sometimes those needs came before my even very own time with the Lord. And I honestly, as a dad and as a husband, didn't always prioritize my relationship with the Lord. It was more about how do I help Maria? How do I help the kids? I am interested in Matt's holiness and I have a part to play in helping him become more holy. And he has that same part with me in helping me become more holy. The greater the intimacy is with Christ, the greater the intimacy was with my husband. And so through those, we had people in our group who have aging parents, um, and they really helped us just gain perspective, but also people that don't have aging parents who prayed for us and cared for us and checked on us and made sure that we were okay. It definitely was a breath of fresh air. It was like we were coming up from swimming through a hard season, and we finally had a chance to breathe. It's just a reminder that something that we've known for a long time is that community is critical. And that's what our small group at Reengage did for us is they became that community for us in this specific situation this semester. We shared this common bond of transparency and vulnerability and honesty. And that doesn't always happen. We weren't just studying scriptures and principles. We were truly engaging in one another's life and in the good, the bad, and the, the messy, everything about it. That's the blessing of a closed group is that you know that there are people that you can be completely honest and transparent with, and it's not going to leave the room. Somebody else's story could give words to your very own story that you didn't know how to put it into your words. And so in the end, we're really listening to and engaged with each other and with where our marriage is. We're in tune with what's going on. And that is an exciting place to be again. There are things that I feel that I haven't felt since the first five or six years of our marriage before we had kids. And I think that's just not because those things didn't exist anymore. It's just because the volume was turned down on them. And now we've turned it back up again. Wasn't that awesome? I think all of us go, I want that. I want that kind of relationship. If you're single here, uh, we have good news for you too. You can pray for marriages and uh, we need prayer. And uh, God may be preparing you to be content where you are. That's awesome. And I'm so thankful that we are having a marriage Sunday at each of our three campuses. Anderson had one uh, in May. And uh, Southwood is having one right now, same time we are. And if you came in late, and I didn't get to introduce myself, my name is Brad Evans, and I'm the pastor of Family and Care Ministries. If I could pick any position at Grace, it'd be this one. I love what I do, and we're just seeing God grow this ministry so incredibly that we added Chris Thompson to our team, and he's at Southwood, hopefully uh, saying some of the similar things you're hearing right now about some next steps that you can take. 
to be intentional in your marriage. What my wife and I, Susan, what we found, and we've been married 30 years, so you know, you kind of think, okay, we've got things figured out now, right? That life is a struggle, and marriage is a struggle. And we have to be intentional because the natural drift in our relationship with God is just to coast and drift away. We have to be intentional in pursuing Him. And He's the rewarder of those who seek Him. Isn't that awesome? He's the rewarder of those who seek Him. He has created us. Thank you, Dusty, for what you shared. He has created us for that covenantal love relationship, that chesed, loyal uh, love relationship, and that faithfulness that He demonstrates to us. And the same is true in the covenant of marriage. He has created us to enter into a lifelong covenant of marriage. But if we're not intentional, we'll drift. And some of you here this morning are at that place, if we're honest with ourselves, that, and Susan and I can be there too, that we can drift. And we're going to present to you some opportunities to take some steps of faith to jump into some things, some, some areas that will help you grow, that will help re engage your marriage or start a spark. And so I'm going to mention a few of them here. And uh, on the table as you leave, there's some materials. Uh, one of them is this little bookmark, and it highlights all three of our main marriage ministries here. So let, let me start with Merge. Merge is for anyone that is seriously dating or engaged. And it starts in September. It's nine weeks long. And Susan and I are mentor couples. We, in fact, we love serving together. That helps grow our marriage. But uh, this last year, we saw over 100 couples go through merge. Is that amazing? It's awesome. We, and Susan and I got to be a part of doing a wedding. I did a wedding for one of our couples in May. We attended the wedding of another couple that went through merge. And so if you're here and you're seriously dating or you're engaged, then uh, go online and register for Merge. We'd love to have you. That We'll kick that off in September. Now, if you're newly married or up to three or four years of marriage, we have foundation groups. These groups meet in homes. They're like a home group, and they're 15 months long. And just like the word foundation says, we want to lay a solid foundations for foundation for the homes to be built on. You know, everything. It's, our homes are only as strong as the foundation well, those, I mean, we only got one shot out of the gate to lay a solid foundation, and those first few years of marriage are so important. So if you're in that spot, then go online, sign up. Uh, September 9th, we're going to have an informational meeting at Anderson, and so come, and um, we would love to uh, get you plugged in to a foundation group. And in both merge and foundation uh, ministries, we need more mentor couples we need about 10 more mentor couples in Merge and probably four or five mentor couples for foundation. So if you would like to talk uh, to me about what's involved with that, my email is bradevans at grace-bible.org, bradevans at grace-bible.org. Love to hear from you. Susan and I, again, one of the ways we're growing our marriage is by serving together side by side, and it is a blast to do that. Uh, as we've done that, Susan has realized there's a lot of sin in her life, and she's working on that. And uh, now I'm in trouble. Uh, but we both realized that we have issues that we need to work on as we're serving and as we're pouring into others. Then, oh my gosh, we need to be applying these things too. So it's a great way to grow our own marriage by serving in um, 
a marriage ministry. And then you heard about re-engage. Matt and Maria talked about re-engage. And one reason this is really important is it's coming up fast. Re-engage is 16 weeks long. And in nine days, that's on August 7th, our first re-engage begins. So that's not this Tuesday, but that's the week following. And re-engage is such a blessing because you're in small groups and those words that we like to throw around here that are incredibly meaningful and so elusive sometimes about finding a safe place where you can be real, where you can be genuine, where you can experience authenticity, and yes, even be vulnerable to your spouse and others, man, that just opens your heart up for God to pour into you and for you to grow closer, like Matt and Maria talked about, closer in your relationship with God, abiding with Him, and also closer to your spouse. And re-engage, it could be for, it's really for anyone. It could be for someone that, you know, your marriage is really good and you want to make it great. You want to really push forward. Or it could be some of you are here and you're going, we're hurting. I mean, we've had couples come and they're, I mean, really struggling. And that's okay. We're all struggling, right? No one's perfect. Anybody perfect? Nope, no one's perfect. If you raise your hand when you talk about lying. No one's perfect. We can all grow. So check out Reengage. The first two weeks on August 7th and 14th are open groups. You can just come and kick the tires, check it out, and then we go into closed groups for those who are willing to make a commitment. So just go online. Now, it's important for re-engage, especially since it starts so early, that you check it out pretty quickly if you need child care because that's going to that's gonna fill up. Uh, so for all three of these ministries, just go online to uh, grace-bible.org slash marriage. I think it's on the bottom there. And uh, you can read about more information and you can sign up. So you're sitting here going, okay, that's great. Thank you. Good to be here today. Don't walk out today and, you know, God is speaking to us and stirring our hearts without saying, yes, we're going to take that next step. And spend some time this afternoon or this evening with your spouse and pray about what would you have us to do, Lord? What are some next steps? And also, just as we wrap up, I want to mention some other resources, some other things that uh, you can do to keep growing. Uh, one devotional that Susan and I have enjoyed, and this is from uh, Family Life, Moments with You. Uh, you can also get this, go to Family Life, and they'll send you an email, a daily email for this daily devotional. I don't know, Susan, what does it take? Five minutes to read it, maybe, and then we pray together for the, for the uh, topic of the day and Moments with You. This is a really good devotional just to keep us uh, intentionally moving forward. Uh, we're reading Cherish Together right now by Garrett and Thomas. So, you know, look for, re- look for something where you can continue to grow in your own marriage. That's a great book, and we're really enjoying uh, Cherish and how to love and cherish each other. We've also been through Love and Respect, offered as a class sometimes. Uh, we'll be doing that in the spring, offering Love and Respect. But this is also a great devotional or book that you can do on your own. We also would encourage you attend a family life conference or a weekend to remember. You can go online and check that out. There's different weekends that you can do that. And last but not least, there's counseling. There have been a couple of times in our marriage that Susan and I, we just got stuck. 
And we needed to talk to somebody professionally. And if you're at that place where you're stuck, again, you can jump in to re-engage. There's many things you can do. But counseling is a wonderful way for you, along with your spouse, to deal with some things that may be hindering you from experiencing the fullness that God has for you and the joy that God has for you with your significant other. Or if you're not married, uh, counseling can be incredibly beneficial. So we have a network of counselors that we refer out to, and so we can help you with that as well. So as we wrap up, uh, if you'd like to talk to me about any of these ministries uh, or about being a mentor couple in one of these ministries, I'm going to be right up here, and you can talk to Dusty and Amanda. And uh, Randy and Abigail McDougall are here, and they are point on our re-engaged ministries. Can you wave to us right here? So they're wearing their orange and it's okay uh, here. Randy's got an orange re-engaged shirt on, and uh, we still love you, Randy. And uh, Abigail's got a white re-engaged shirt. And so you can talk to them about re-engage. Or at the table on the outside, the Stimpsons, Johnny and Cindy Stimson, will be out there to answer any questions. They're going to be re-engaged leaders this semester. Or if you want to talk about any of our marriage opportunities. So again, let's be intentional. What's the next step God would have for you in terms of our marriage ministries and in terms of our relationship with him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for, for Dusty uh, and just his heart for you and bringing truth from your word and us learning about God, what a covenantal, loyal, faithful God that you are. Lord, and we just pray that we would have soft hearts towards you and be receptive to what your spirit is saying to us so that we can take intentional steps in moving towards you in relationship and maybe receiving you, uh, Jesus, um, into our life today, receiving your free gift of salvation. By grace, we're saved through faith. Thank you. And let's be intentional with our marriages and with our families, taking that next step, whatever you might have it to be. We love you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.